At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful colleagues and friends. It's Isabella Lomba here, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. I have a very special guest that is going to enlighten you in three major areas that I think will not only change perspective, how you look at and view things in current economy by specialist economist himself, not only who study that and it's continuing to influence and impact through universities that he's associated and affiliated, which, which I will mention in a second, but also his exceptional leadership and action that he's taking during one of the most difficult challenging time in his life. With heritage as Ukrainian and with a war that is blazing in Ukraine right now, um, he is associated obviously as a professor of economics, so what Weatherlands Social Management and Case Western Reserve University. And he's also been affiliated and rector actually of American University in Kiev, which is insane honor and amazing things that he is juggling in addition to all the other roles that he's having. Obviously with his phenomenal background in education economics from PhD degree in Purdue University, obviously. He's also founded amazing organization to help his fellow Ukrainians. And he's been proactive voice on social media to really depict and let us know what's really going on over there. Founding member of Global Ukrainian Foundation, co-chair of a Ukrainian-American house, which we cannot wait to hear what is this all about. And without further ado, let's <laughs> have you Roman Shermeta joining us. How are you Roman? Well I'm doing great Isabella after that introduction I hope I can live up to that standard but thank you for having me on the show. You are absolutely uh, gracious and thank you again for flexibility and joining us because we're obviously dealing with the time when it's so many things happening rapidly simultaneously and ironically all of happening related to economics today, right? Also, yeah. uh, all of the presence or lack of presence of leadership. And then unfortunately, war that is super close to your home, to your loved ones. So with that in mind, do you mind sharing a little bit about how did you even get into economics and field and how these um, studies helped you uh, not only to really depict and understand economy, but also in the current time to understand what is going on and how to position for success. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was born in Ukraine uh, to a very lovely family. I had fantastic parents and uh, a very, uh, very stubborn uh, brother, which, you know, uh, runs in the family. And we, um, uh, you know, had a lot of opportunities to study. And, you know, the way that my life trajectory progressed, I was a chess player. I was actually a professional chess player uh, till wow. I was 13. Uh, and it helped me to develop sort of this analytical mindset uh, when uh, I participated in math Olympiads. And, it, uh, you know, that desire to use analytical tools, analytical thinking, critical thinking to analyze all sorts of things. But out of all the things, I was really... Uh, intrigued by human behavior. So that's really where I wanted to 
spend a lot of my time and my brain power. And so given that I was also very analytical, uh, mathematical, and I love the social sciences, you know, economics was a perfect fit. It's a study of choices that people make as they uh, deal with all, all sorts of things and scarcity and uh, uh, budget constraints, and you have to make critical decisions. And so that's how I became an economist. Um, moved to Purdue University to get my PhD, uh, worked with some of the most uh, wonderful people, including uh, Vernon Smith, who became, uh, who was a Nobel Prize, uh, who is a Nobel Prize winner in economics, uh, worked with him for quite a few years, wrote articles together with him, uh, and became a behavioral economist, experimental economist who actually studies human behavior. Uh, and that's how I got the international recognition. That's how I, uh, what people know me for, from the scientific world, from the work that I have done in this field. Um, so that's my short path uh, into economics. Oh my goodness. First of all, congratulations and what an amazing trajectory. But now with everything that is happening that is affecting everybody globally and we constantly keep hearing economics are not really looking good on global level. Do you mind sharing your perspective? What do you see? What is happening and where we're going? Well, so there are different uh, things that are triggering our economy, impacting our economy right now. So one of them is uh, we're still getting out of COVID. And so we had a number of policies in place during COVID season that were, you know, somewhat questionable, but also they were, you know, at that time we didn't know. Uh, it's easy to criticize, you know, once we know how things have developed, but at that time we obviously didn't know how things will develop. And so the, some of the questionable policies were, you know, too much money has been poured into system uh, with, especially in the United States and the United States is a very important player on the global market. And so because of that, that created, a, you know, right now what we call inflation where the prices are sort of uh, pretty high and it's difficult to stop that inflation. And also on top of that, we had all the supply chain issues that came from COVID and the ability to trade freely. And so that created its own issue. And so right now, piling up these issues are creating a pretty high prices for, uh, you know, for, for various goods and services. And uh, uh, the government is trying to fight that with increasing the interest rates. And that creates a pressure on the stock market because you know, uh, the stock market wants to have uh, uh, a lot of cash flowing around and people trading and the value of the companies are building up. But that's now is much more difficult because of these regulatory policies from the Federal Reserve, from, uh, you know, and all over, uh, around the world. And uh, on top of that, uh, if that was not enough, we have a war that has been, uh, you know, uh, started by Russia. Uh, the uh, the aggression that they have displayed towards Ukraine, an unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. And uh, to be honest, it's a, close to, I mean, a lot of historians that I have uh, read and admired, like Timothy, Timothy Snyder, calling it an outright genocide because, uh, um, yes. you know, the, the discriminatory fires and killing of the civilians, raping of women, uh, castrating men, killing children, these things, you know, they are not... Um, you know, they're not normal. Uh, so it's a, uh, and so that war created a tension in the world um, in addition to what we have already had. Uh, one of the tension is a very difficult one in terms of the winter and the 
uh, you know, the, the, the things that are coming up. And uh, Russia has been one of the most significant suppliers of oil and gas in the world. Uh, and Ukraine is one of the most important suppliers of grain and oil in the world. And this is talking about the um, uh, not not uh, the oil that is uh, that we consume on a daily basis, not the uh, fossil oil. And so Ukraine has been uh, again a very global uh, supplier of that. And these uh, supply chains are now stopped. I mean, there is a literally an embargo on Russian. Uh, uh, oil and there is an, now de facto, de facto uh, an embargo on Russian gas because uh, of the Nord Stream pipeline that has been just disabled, as you know, most likely because of Russians' own doing. Um, even though they are blaming, blaming England and you know other countries that could have sabotaged that, but <laughs> that's just a Russian propaganda. The way of they, the way that they do things, they do it themselves and then blame on somebody else. And so all of this creating a perfect. Uh, uh, sort of scenario for very significant challenges in the state of the economy and the state of the financial sectors. So yeah, we are in the pretty rough waters right now. Oh, wow. I'm so glad that you connected the dots for a lot of people and cause and effect. And when you're saying we're in the rough waters, do you mind sharing a little bit Obviously, we're yet to see what's going to happen during the winter, and I know a lot of Europeans uh, beyond Ukraine, obviously, affected also, and very much so worried, and what's going to look like just to hit their home or just the basics, right? What things that we kind of used to take for granted and could depending on different economies, including Russian economy. So what what are you predicting? Well, how is this gonna roll out in the next six to 12 months? And what should we be watching for? So uh, first of all, Europe is gonna be fine. US will be fine. Uh, we have a pretty resilient economies. We. Uh, our economies produce things, unlike Russian economy that simply is, a, you know, is a gas station or, you know, where they don't have any production. That's the only thing that they have been building, you know, uh, and, and getting their uh, foreign investments in. And so Europe is going to be fine. The reserves that they have built up both on the front line of gas and, and, and oil is easier to get. Uh, they will get from elsewhere, including the United States. And also US is going to be supplying uh, liquid gas uh, to, to Europe. There are ways to do that. Uh, Germany, uh, other countries already have pretty much full. They, they've been preparing for this. So they knew that this is coming. So they have been accumulating a lot of reserves in, term of, in terms of uh, uh, natural gas. And so they, they will survive. It may be a little bit rougher than usual, maybe a little bit colder. There could be some restrictions and, you know, uh, but overall, uh, I think that uh, this, uh, this winter will be fine for Europe. The more uh, concerned I am is for Ukraine because yes. Russia has uh, in, in just not only and the mere availability of these natural resources that are questioned for Ukraine, but also Russia has been just simply destroying the infrastructure. I mean, today, I, if you follow the news, and today is uh, September 30th when we have this uh, recording, uh, you know, uh, the um, Russia has attacked uh, in, uh, uh, in Dnipro, in Zaporizhia, in Nikolaev, the critical infrastructure. For example, in Dnipro, they have destroyed half of the public transportation in today's attack. They fired, I believe, 16 rockets. 
So uh, imagine, imagine that Dnipro is a huge city. It's a million people city, you know, uh, and so you destroyed half of the public transportation and they have destroyed the pipelines. They have destroyed the water pipelines, the gas pipelines, the critical infrastructure. They have been bombing the dams that hold water. So uh, this is really where my worry is that even if we have gas, though, then gas will not be able to get to people uh, through the pipelines because those pipelines have been damaged and destroyed. Um, so this is really where the difficulty lies. And, uh, you know, one of the problems that uh, I see very, very big problem is that uh, Ukrainians are just going to freeze. You know, and that is uh, very, very difficult for me to realize that we have some people on the front line that just not going to have any heat, you know, and uh, that is really uh, ratching, hard ratching for me. Um, and that's what I'm most of all concerned. But as I said, Europe and U.S. will be fine. Uh, the economy will rebound. I mean, it's a it's as soon as we stop the inflation, things will get to normal. I do, I know, I do believe uh, um, in European economy. I believe in the American economy. We are pretty resilient, and that you know should be a uh, uh, much lesser concern to us at this stage. Thank you for highlighting that, and thank you for stabilizing from your perspective how things are going to play out uh, months to come. And now let's zoom a little bit in Ukraine. For a lot of people that obviously we know, a lot of media coverage is literally not existent. And people think that either war is already over or things are happening yeah. not to the level that they're happening right now. Do you mind giving us perspective? What is happening right now in Ukraine um, overall and where people need the most? and how can others take action to support efforts in Ukraine? Yeah, so thank you for that. This is obviously very heavy for me because my parents are in, live in Ukraine. My brother is in Ukraine. My aunts, my uncle, you know, uh, all, all of them are in Ukraine. And so uh, because of that, um, uh, I'm daily, you know, watching the news. I wake up with the news, go to sleep with the news, you know, and I... Yes. Uh, constantly engage in uh, uh, highlighting this on the social media and different platforms and just making sure that people stay current uh, and see the atrocities and the things that are happening in Ukraine. So to summarize, to summarize what's happening right now, uh, Ukraine has been very successful as, at standing up to Russia. Russia has not been able to achieve any of their objectives, uh, major objectives that they had over Ukraine. In fact, in the past, you know, couple weeks, Russia has lost more territories in Ukraine that they have captured in the past six months. Right now, as we speak, their troops are surrounded in one of the large cities, and it's more than 3,000-ish troops, uh, Russian troops in Liman, and they are completely cut out from logistics, and they've been really pushed back on pretty much the entire front uh, from north uh, to uh, to south, uh, and so the the only the only problem is that Russia Russian soldiers, uh, you know, they lack motivation. They have left uh, uh, so much weapons and 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 tanks and uh, military vehicles that in one day Ukraine captured more of this equipment that Germany has provided in the entire time of the war. What wow. Germany has provided in six months that Ukrainians captured from Russia more, more of that in one day. Uh, just, uh, but then, of course, 
Russia does have rockets. That's something that they always had, and they have a tremendous quantity of those rockets. And so they have been simply firing at civilian structures. They cannot fight the military. They are running from military. They're defeated, you know, pretty much in any major combat that they had in the past, you know, uh, past month. And so what they're doing, they're firing at the civilians. They're killing civilians. They're killing the infrastructure, the critical infrastructure. As I said today in Dnipro, they just destroyed the public transportation system. You know, that's what they do because they cannot fight this war. And so Ukraine is uh, having tremendous losses, you know, in terms of civilian lives. Uh, but people, people are not uh, backing up by any means. The support of Ukraine, of Ukrainian people, I don't know what Russia is trying to accomplish to scare people off. It just pisses them off even more. They're saying, we're never going to give up. We will never forgive. We will never let this slide. We're going to go till the end. If you want to kill us all, well, kill us all because we're not backing up. It's not Zelensky who is forcing people to do that. I mean, you have to understand Zelensky is in this whole scheme of things for Ukrainians is just an elected person. We we are very resilient. If we don't like a president, we even if that president turns to be a dictator like Yanukovych was, we just kick them out. You know, we protest and we make sure Ukrainians are free people. Every Ukrainian is a free person, for, for free people. And so they're not gonna you know, stand to this bullying. And, but that comes with a tremendous cost of lives, you know, and that's why right now the most necessary thing that Ukraine needs is weapons, defensive weapons, and also offensive weapons like tanks and, and aircraft and, and, and rockets just to push Russia back. The further we push Russia back to their territory, the more difficult it's going to be for them to fire at the cities. And so the yes. air and uh, anti-aircraft uh, defense system, uh, all of that stuff is needed because that's what will be saving Ukrainian lives. And I see, I think that the world understands this today more than ever before, uh, but it's just still not at the same pace as we need this uh, uh, support. And with that in mind, what we just shared, thank you, Roman, for giving us accurate picture of what is really happening on the grounds, not only that you would go in there often and traveling, uh, but you're considering when relocating and spending more time in Ukraine, which yes. again, I kudo you, but in the same time, we're facing now very challenging winter times, right? Shorter days, darker nights, and you were mentioning how infrastructure is being destroyed when people don't have a heat, when they cannot get around, it's going to create a lot of obviously casualties just around because people will be freezing and yeah. uh, what, what would you suggest and recommend for any plans uh, besides, uh, obviously, from military support, uh, what civilians, what Americans, what people, Ukrainians in diaspora and other parts of the world can really do uh, to help and extend their yeah. compassion and kindness through really strong action? Yeah. First of all, I just want to uh, thank, I know that you have a large audience, and I want to thank everyone and uh, who has been supporting Ukraine, especially on the humanitarian side. Uh, this war would not have been at where it is right now uh, if it was not for your support and support in terms of, you know, civilian lives. Also, some of people have uh, donated uh, for bulletproof vests, for helmets, you know, for the defensive uh, equipment yeah. that uh, saves, literally saves uh, Ukrainian soldiers' lives and Ukrainian civilian volunteers' lives. So I just want to thank uh, everyone who has been a part of that and who has not been a part of that. 
I would encourage you to do that. I understand that the time is difficult for you economically as well, but trust me, Ukraine is in a much more worse situation. And besides that, they're dying on a daily basis. At least that's something that we are not worried about in the Western world is that we are safe, we are yeah. fine, you know? And so uh, that being said, one of the most critical things that we will need uh, in, in supporting Ukrainian people right now will be uh, diesel generators, the heating, different heating devices that it can be done. And especially if they can be, um, you know, not dependent on, elect on electricity because on the uh, close to the front lines, the electricity will be gone. Russia is destroying the critical infrastructure. The first thing they will do, they will hit the, they already did. They hit so many electric stations, not the military objects. So just don't be deceived and don't say that Russians hit military objects. They started doing that a long time ago. Those rockets are way more valuable for them. If they really wanted to fire, they would fire at the uh, a Ukrainian military that is pushing them every day closer and closer to their defeat, you know, but they're firing instead of the civilian infrastructure and then civilians. So we really need to help people to get that essential need, which includes, you know, uh, heaters, uh, warm blankets, uh, the um, di diesel generators, uh, some solar solar based uh you know, heating devices, things like that will be of essential need. Uh, if you cannot do it yourself, personally, you cannot donate that, I would just encourage you to connect with some uh, organizations that are doing that uh, on, literally on a daily basis, nonstop 24 seven. You know, there's a wonderful uh, nonprofit organizations that are very transparent. They're not corrupt. You know, don't listen to everything you believe on the propaganda from propaganda saying that everything is corrupt in Ukraine. I mean, I know this system better than anybody else because I actually uh, been invited to work for the government a couple of times and I've, uh, I'm on the advisory board for President Zelensky and I understand all the ins and outs. I understand all the corruptions and everything that we try to a fight. I'm opening American University Kiev in Ukraine to raise the new leaders of Ukraine so that yes. they will not be corrupt, right? So that they will have the right values. And that's something that we take very seriously. So disregard that because most of the organizations that are, you know, well uh, reputable, you know, like Razom, Povernizhevim, Ukrainian American House, the organization Global Ukraine Foundation that we have founded. I mean, I can guarantee that everything, every penny goes to where it's supposed to go uh, because it's uh, very transparent. It's the people like, you know, like me and others that just uh, very involved in this. Uh, and uh, we are we're going to make sure that every single dime that comes into these organizations goes to people. So that's how you can support personally, you know, by either personally buying these items and, and, and transferring them to Ukraine or joining some organizations that are already doing that. But again, I want to thank you for the support. And if you're considering joining, please do so. That is brilliant. And we will have a link and specific NGOs that Roman is collaborating with that he can vouch for that money is going again where it's meant to go so that everybody's, uh, however small or big donations, going to make a huge impact and difference. That is absolutely fantastic. And thank you for highlighting how we can be proactive to support uh, people uh, specifically as winter is coming. And I know that everybody's um, very much so concerned with the right reasons for it. 
but with everything else in mind that you've been actively involved with and creating this Ukrainian American house and founding member of Global Ukrainian Foundation, do you mind sharing a little bit about what else is coming and what else is happening simultaneously? Yeah. Obviously, you're, you're working on immediate crisis and day to day to end this war and help um, soldiers and strategically, economically uh, to make that happen. And at the same time, uh, education wise, which we're super thrilled to learn more about University of Kiev and future generation of leadership, because ultimately this is a legacy leadership show. And we love to hear uh, more stuff about that. But also, please, please share us a little bit about these foundations and that okay. you're a member of and involved and what else is coming. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so let me let me uh, talk first of all about um, about our um, well, let's start with the uh, Ukraine American House, okay? So the Ukrainian American House was um, established actually quite a few years ago, but it was uh, during the time of war that basically I uh, that, that I joined as a co-chair of this organization. And the main, now uh, because of the war, the main uh, direction of uh, uh, of this organization has been in delivering humanitarian aid to Ukrainian borders, uh, to uh, to Ukrainian cities. I've been many times in, uh, I've been uh, a few times in Ukraine myself, delivering this humanitarian aid to Mykolaiv, to Odessa, to Kiev, to Hostomel, to Bucha. Uh, these are difficult, uh, you know, very difficult places, especially Bucha, Hostomel, if you've seen that, Mykolaiv. Um, so uh, we delivered uh, already more than a dozen uh, um, uh, ambulances. We have delivered food packages, thousands upon thousands of food, food packages. We have uh, delivered uh, different, um, you know, uh, different equipment like uh, purifying water stations with a water mission because in Mykolaiv they don't have access to clean water, period because of the destruction that has happened, Russia just fired at the purifying stations in Mykolaiv. I personally witnessed a line of 300 people standing for water, screaming and trying to get that water. I mean, you're gonna go today and you're gonna take your shower. That's a drinking water, literally. I mean, you will never drink it, but that's what even that is not is lacking right now in, in some of the cities in Ukraine. So we need to get these purifying stations and, and other things. So we've been doing that and we were working together uh, to get those things. Uh, and besides that, there's also refugees that are uh, in Ukraine and the, from Ukraine that came to the United States. So we have been working with uh, different NGOs and other groups to help these refugees to um, uh, cross the border. At one point of time, there was a crossing from Mexico to the US. We actually were uh, working with Parasoika, another organization, or doing those crossings and helping people to cross the border. So this is what the Ukrainian uh, American House is all about. It's about hands-on uh, humanitarian aid to Ukrainian people. Now, the, the Global Ukraine Foundation, that's a different story because uh, we need to think strategically into the future. Ukraine will yes. win the war. Uh, things will get better. You know, we will uh, uh, get to some sort of normalcy in the future. Um, and so basically what we're going to do next is that we will need to rebuild Ukraine. We will need to rebuild Ukraine and we will need to do everything uh, that we can in order to rebuild Ukraine. 
So uh, for that reason, uh, we have built a foundation that is, uh, uh, is uh, again, we are not the only one. There is other foundations like this, but this is one of the foundations that we have built that will bring venture capital, businessmen, big investors who are ready to invest into Ukraine. So right now we already have uh, uh, our people that have joined our initiative uh, uh, operate or uh, manage over $10 billion of assets. You know, one of the venture capitalists that have joined us, he already committed from his organization $50 million to invest into Ukraine. With Global Ukraine Foundation, we're also working uh, together with American University Kiev. We're working on building accelerator through which we will be funding the uh, small businesses, startups, you know, new entrepreneurs. And so basically, that's a sort of a fund of funds. And it's a, it's a strategic organization that we are working on in order to enable you know this recovery of Ukraine so these are different organizations but both are very important and I'm very proud to be a part of both of them that sounds outstanding seems like you have a pulse uh, Roman on things not only what's going on currently but also what demands and expectations and things that we will need to have and prepare for for the future and with that in mind, wide range of point of entry is something that you can immediately take action, everybody that is watching and listening, but also follow Roman and engage with him and also be able to help in the future uh, down the road when everything is, as Roman said, going to be focused on rebuilding economy and rebuilding infrastructure of his country. So with that in mind, Roman, you obviously are more started for, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's months I just keep adding over and over, you know, when, when we think about it in the beginning of the year, nobody expected um, the, the, uh, what's, go, what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. And then the continuation of, of the war and conflicts. And as you mentioned earlier, propaganda and disformation as a result, so many people were a little bit uh, hesitant or a lack of confidence Coverage. Um, could you please share uh, from your perspective uh, some of the basic things that anybody can really do? Because a lot of times we get overwhelmed when we get a lot of information. And it's like, where do we start? Some of the advice uh, from people, again, that is in diaspora, for people that is uh, never been in that situation but wants to help or has a ge uh, general interest or heritage or just simply as a human being who really wants to extend their hand. And then also uh, any advice that you can give because people are also seeking for guidance. They're seeking for great leadership like yourself. So if you don't mind sharing that also from your leadership perspective. Yeah, thank you, Isabella. So this is a very, very important question, right? So how do we as a world, as a society, as people uh, engage in this uh, fight for freedom, fight for survival of the nation? You know, this is yes. probably one of the most, and I don't want to diminish any of the conflicts that have been happening for a long time. Obviously, we care for all the people, what is happening right now in Iran and the amazing, incredible stance of the women that, you know, has inspired so many people. And there's other things that are happening. But I do think that this is just a uh, uh, Ukrainian war right now is in such a greater scale because of the enemy that we have yes. faced. And that enemy is obviously, uh, you know, uh, an incredibly powerful enemy that has, Ukraine has demonstrated that can be beaten and will be beaten. Uh, because uh, we as the world, we cannot allow 
this to happen because if uh, this can be done to Ukraine, why cannot be done to other countries? I mean, or anywhere else where a dictator can go and just say, hey, this is my territory, this, we cannot allow this sort of thing. So as a, as a world, as a people, as leaders, what should we do? Well, first of all, we should stand in the, uh, in the information side, right? So maybe not all of us can go personally do volunteering work and stuff like that, but we have a platform, especially if there are some uh, people who are in the leadership positions who are listening uh, this podcast today, you know, you have a platform, you have a tremendous uh, influence and uh, uh, people listen to you. And so you can stand up and be a part of this uh, informational or fighting against this information and informational warfare, because that's something that, I mean, even just yesterday, Facebook has uncovered a, a huge troll factory of bots that have been working for Russia and just building these false narratives and propaganda. I mean, you heard themselves. I mean, like how many false narratives have you heard about, you know, uh, uh, laundering of money of Zelensky, uh, about, you know, uh, there have been Nazis in Ukraine and these, you know, uh, that's why Russia is fighting about, you know, Russia is uh, attacked Ukraine because, you know, of NATO. I mean, even today, Putin blamed the NATO as if it's just a ridiculous uh, part for me because I know that I've been in Ukraine and the support for NATO was 10% from Ukrainian side before the annexation of Crimea. Ukrainians mm -hmm. did not want to join NATO because they didn't want to fight, you know, and being the NATO already means that, you know, you have to engage in some of the conflicts to, you know, send your soldiers. And, but after the annexation of Crimea, 50% of Ukrainians said they want to join NATO. And today, more than 90% are willing, uh, want to join NATO. And even today, Zelensky already gave an application to NATO. Because, so it's a false narrative that, you know, that Kremlin has been building and people became victim of that propaganda. And so we, as a community, we can stand up. And the most reliable source of information would be, you know, I personally would follow the, spokes leaders. I wouldn't even listen as much to the media, either, either West or even Ukrainian media, uh, definitely not Russian media, because that's a complete propaganda there. But, you know, if you follow the leaders, the people who are on the ground, the first eyewitnesses, those are the people that will tell you as it is, you know, they, uh, they have a reputation to care about, you know, they have, uh, um, they, they obviously are important players, they're important leaders. And there's, you know, I can give you a hundred names of people that I would say, you know, you should listen to them. These people have something to say and they will objectively tell you how it is, uh, you know, then that's one way that we can engage is just by being proactive in our sharing and coverage of Ukraine. Besides that, another one is, yes, if you can be a part of some organization that actually, and I've met, hundreds of people that have founded organizations, even smaller ones that are already collecting, you know, medical supplies, different humanitarian aid, and just sending it to Ukraine that have partnered with bigger organizations who can send over the, you know, airplanes and cargo ships. And so if you can do that, partner with somebody, found, you can find, if you can, you know, start something, do that. But the best way is to partner with somebody and become a a partner in this. And the third thing is, uh, you know, of course, I would invite all of you uh, as 
time and safety allows to you to come to Ukraine and become part of the rebuilding of the process, process of rebuilding Ukraine. Uh, of, uh, you know, we have cities that have been literally leveled down. We have uh, people that lost everything. And if you want to be a part of something special that you'll remember for the rest of your life, just come, uh, look in the eyes of people, um, hug them, cry with them. I've done this many times. Um, and uh, help them to rebuild their house. You know, be a volunteer, dedicate a month of your life to go and actually do that. So there's many levels on which we can do this, both as leaders, as a, uh, you know, spokesman, and as a volunteer. Remember that one of the biggest quotes for me is, you know, of Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, who actually said that, look, uh, you know, being the king of kings, he came, he said, uh, I came to serve. And the greatest of one is, you know, is the one who serves, not the one who, um, you know, the best leader is the one who actually shows by example and by serving others. So that's my advice. Wow, such a powerful share, Roman. And for everybody watching and listening, as Roman pointed out, we are calling more than ever for servant leadership and extending that hand. If you're not in position to donate or you're not in position to do so many things independently, you can uh, actually build community and in involve your community and also connect to all of these NGOs that we will be listing at, uh, in description on this podcast that Roman will share with us, where you can get involved but also i will highly urge you to get in touch with roman i know he's extremely busy start following him on linkedin uh, start reading his post engage that way be informed know who is the source and what is happening because Frankly, I'm being following Roman and getting such a valuable perspective on a daily basis because I, I tune in out all the noise, all the propaganda, and as a result, I feel it's much more informed and leveled, and I know now where to go and what to do and who to associate with, like Roman Thank pointed you. out. Thank you. Absolutely. Roman, obviously yourself, before even war started, you created tremendous trajectory. Your leadership has been exceptional. Uh, your brilliant mind, not beyond economy, obviously, and economics uh, to discuss, to really look at what's going on on the global scale. But with everything that just happened, you are obviously leading so many uh, people that need that strong leadership and presence. And you already carved tremendous legacy, but with moments when we're humbled, when we're sitting and reflecting, I know you have so much in your bucket list and so much yet for you to do. Uh, what would be some of the most inspiring things for everybody watching and listening? You're juggling family responsibility, you're juggling so much as a professor and teaching, as well as also uh, organizations in with the country that is midst of the war, your own country and, you know, and your own people while also living in two different worlds, right? Um, what is that next thing and what is something that also helps you to stay grounded in your own fate and strong in moments when it's very challenging? Yeah, so I uh, thank you so much and thank you for raising such an important question of, you know, personal leadership and also um, uh, just making an impact, right? I mean, think about your life. Uh, it's just a period you know, a short period on this earth, right? If you look at all the tombstones that are in the graveyards, there's a 
year where person was born and the year that was person died and then there's just the dot or like you know a dash in between that's your life right that's where you have you have that time and uh, you need to live uh, uh, a life that will count for something right that you need to stand for something much bigger than yourself because otherwise it's just through what's the reason to live right and so uh i think the most important thing is for me at least personally has been uh that idea that you know um i you know, want to impact people i want to help people to reach their potential i and and to be honest that's one of the reasons why i agreed to become a founding director of american university kiev for me this is like this is where i really have been trained all my life to get these different you know uh, skills and you know getting american education getting my phd becoming an economist and now i can actually um build and invest into the future leaders of ukraine so one i mean our uh, our um uh basically vision our vision of our university is to um create the leaders the future leaders of ukraine that you know through through uh you know through uh teaching them through educating them through research and through addressing some societal changes but really at the end of the day we want to create leaders that will lead ukraine into the future and so uh, this is what my i'm tasked with you know i have this time uh that i you want to invest into the future leaders so one of the things that i would just encourage everyone is to um invest into future leaders so whether it's in your company whether it's in your personal life, find some find somebody that you can mentor, that you can grow, uh, so that when you are, uh, you know, that you can pass on that baton, that legacy of leadership to somebody else. And that mentorship can be one on one. It can be, you know, group mentorship. Uh, but just be very intentional about growing leaders because the leaders will uh, change the world. They will, for in my case, they will rebuild Ukraine they will uh, basically do something that I cannot do. I'm just not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to be everywhere and do all the things, but people that I'm going to impact, they will be able to do that. And so for me to be a part of their life and creating their legacy, you know, I'm touching, you know, and becoming part of something that they will do in the future. So I think that's the best thing you can do in life. That is fantastic. What amazing, again, legacy and a desire to make a huge, tremendous difference. Any closing remar remarks before we uh, close for today? Because Roman, we will definitely have you back because we were going to have a uh, frequent prop updates and, and understanding what is happening and where you're at with your trajectory of all of these amazing goals, but also the most important right now, how to really minimize the crisis and negative impact that is affecting Ukrainian people yeah well first of all i want to thank you isabella for having me on the on air i think it's a very important to um for us as a community to hear right and to listen uh to what's going on and not to close our ears that is uh, that is first thing that i just wanted to say to to everyone the second thing that i want to say is that um you have a platform you have a platform of influence and it can be either at your workplace, it can be on the social media, it can be in your family. Use that platform wisely. Use that to uh, make this world into a better place. In this case, right now, you know, we actually have uh, a very significant crisis in this world. And uh, uh, the third advice that I would give is to be on the right side of the history. 
yes. you know, because uh, you may use that platform for good or for bad, you know, and right now you need to decide for yourself uh, where you stand on this uh, in this time of the history. Are you in the right side of the history or are you in the wrong side of the history? And I do believe sincerely with all my heart, with everything that I can say is that uh, standing with Ukraine is the right thing to do today, just as it was, you know, in the past when we were uh, fighting against Nazi Germany. You know, we did everything yes. in order and we are better as a society. Germany is better as a country today uh, because of they face their own demons and were able to overcome them. But again, that was because the humanity decided to stand on the right side of the history and have that victory. So, you know, uh, my advice to you is to make sure that you are not neutral because one of the things uh, that I've uh, seen a lot in this past, uh, you know, con uh, I don't know, past half a year is uh, that people are just neutral. And uh, neutrality is not a position. Neutrality yes. is a position, actually, right? So because uh, I, lo I love the quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who actually was a very incredible individual who stood against Hitler in the time of... Uh, one of the most difficult times of human history. And he said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. And so yes. basically when we don't voice out, if we don't uh, choose the side, then it's also a position. And that's, uh, and he, at the end he says, God will not uh, have us guiltless. So we will be guilty for uh, not speaking. And so uh, that would be my advice, my third advice to your audience and to everybody who has been listening to us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I'm definitely looking for future conversations. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.